Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. For those of you that are new to the community, I am Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp. For those seasoned listeners, thank you so much. With me today is a very special guest by the name of Claire Eunice, and she is super special because she is a pediatrician, but let me tell you more about Claire. Claire Eunice holds an MD, MFA, is a board-certified practicing pediatrician who brings her love for writing as well as her understanding of every individual's need for personal expression. To her work as a communication coach and teacher of fellow clinicians in her medical group, her work has been published in a number of journals, and she recently published Balance, Pedal, Breathe, A Journey Through Medical School, a book about drawing on diverse experiences to retain compassion while becoming a doctor. She is now working on extending narrative medicine practices to patients and other medical staff, in addition to clinicians. So without further ado, please welcome Claire Eunice. Thank you so much, Genesis. I'm I'm really honored to be on your podcast and thank you for having me. My pleasure. And it just warmed my heart when I saw that you're a pediatrician because we always get the, that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I always said I wanted to be a pediatrician and life happened, and I was stuck in oil and gas for 12 years until the pandemic. Oh, no. <laughs> so, before we dive into your book, I definitely want to give my audience a fun and personal way to connect with you. And since you've done your research, I either do an icebreaker or a rapid fire 10 question game, emphasis on rapid. What are you in the mood for? I couldn't decide. I was thinking about this before. I think let's go ahead and do an icebreaker. Okie dokie. We're breaking the ice with Claire and Genesis. For your icebreaker, I want you to share something crazy you have done in your life or a fun and interesting fact that not even your own community knows about you. And if you're feeling frisky, combine the both of them. Ooh, well, um, I really think that the definition of crazy is very subjective. So um, I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. I always have been. So I love skiing and mountain biking and rock climbing and all of the sports that get your heart going and squeezing a little extra. So, I mean, I think I try to do something crazy pretty frequently. Um, if I if I have my way about it, I'll I'll be biking every weekend or every other weekend, um, or in the winter, I'll be doing quite a bit of skiing. And I love to go for the most challenging runs I can find, um, just because I, I love that thrill. So I think I do crazy things all the time, actually. <laughs> that is amazing. And thank you for sharing that. So audience, I hope you learned a little bit more about Claire. Now we're going to dive into the work that she's doing, as well as her book. And Claire, I want you to hold up that book for those on the video for them to see and walk us through the cover and why you chose to name your book. 
Thank you so much. So um, if you can see the cover, you can see a hiker right here, who's actually my sister. <laughs> you can see a rock climber right here, who's actually me. Um, and you can see my mountain bike leaning up against um, a little bench right where I love to mountain bike in Mammoth Lakes, um, California. So, um, and then they're sort of contained within the outlines of lungs because very much in this book, I often used breathing as um, a way that I centered myself or managed my way through medical school. So the title is Balance, Pedal, Breathe. And it comes from one of the chapters in the book in which I am mountain biking and just trying to manage to get through medical school. Um, at the time I was biking across Golden Gate Bridge and when the wind is blowing at you, you have to go around the supports along the walkway. And as you turn into the wind, you really have to focus very heavily on balancing. And then you have to pedal through it really quickly and breathe so you don't panic because it doesn't feel like you'll make it. So <laughs> that's where the title actually came from. But I also think that it, it related very much to my story because to get through medical school, I had to figure out how to keep my balance as someone who loved being outdoors and doing things that had nothing to do with medicine um, and still be focused enough to get through. Uh, pedaling because biking was one of the ways that I would manage the stress and breathe because we have to breathe through difficult times. And sometimes it really felt very hard to breathe when I was going through my medical education. So mm. there's that. I love that. And so let's dissect this. So with the balance part, and I feel like everyone in life needs to balance, whether you're a new parent, whether you're an employee versus trying to jump into entrepreneurship, whether you're married versus single versus divorce, uh, versus divorce or whatever the case may be, no matter how you look at it, all of us as individuals need to balance some form or fashion. And, and pedaling to you, pedaling was your mountain bike. To others, it may be yoga, it may be Tai Chi, it may be kickboxing or whatever your way of getting rid of your stress in a healthy way is. And then breathing, we all breathe. If we're not breathing, then we're not living. So let's talk about how going through medical school and how you dealing with not having medical school define you or become your identity. How has this book and writing helped you? That's a fantastic question. Um, when I was in my, I think it was the end of my second year is I think when the hardest period of time was I was facing national board exams and the amount of information you have to learn in medical school is absolutely unknowable. And where this really hit a crux was in those couple weeks before taking the exam, when really you have two weeks to study, right? And you're supposed to do nothing but study. And I would have absolutely lost my mind if I did nothing but study. So it was all about learning how to balance, um, my need for exercise, because that's always been important to me. I've known that about myself since I was quite young, that I need exercise in order to be able to focus at all. Um, my need for individuality. So I needed to be able to not think about the books at every moment. Um, and then the need to actually buckle down and study and do what I needed to do. You are so right that everybody in any situation or career needs to figure out how they balance the things that need to happen, whether you're taking care of a baby or children or a household or you're talking about your job, whatever it is, there are things that we just have to buck up and do every day, right? Everybody has things you've got to do. 
And then it's really important also to be able to take a step back, be like, okay, who am I? And am I doing what makes sense to me? Am I on the right journey? Or am I just going down the road because it's in front of me and I've got blinders on to what's going on? So a lot of this balancing really has to do with not just like, how do you get through the day and get enough exercise you can sleep at night, but also when things get hard, you have to have confidence that you're on the right journey and that you're doing this for a purpose in the end, especially when things get hard. Am I really on the right path? So for me, as I was going through medical school, um, those first couple of years were very clinical and I really kind of kept my head down more than anything, but I really started fantasizing about writing about it because I've always been a writer. Um, I majored in creative writing and literature in college. I was not a science major, even though I wanted to go to medical school. So especially once I transitioned into the clinical years. So third year, you start seeing patients, you do different rotations and different specialties. There were so many stories that I just felt needed to be shared for people like you who thought they might want to be a pediatrician one day or who, for anyone who interfaces with the medical system. Do you know what your doctor goes through? Do you have any idea what it's like to try to go from being a patient to becoming a pretend doctor overnight, which is what you kind of do in medical school? Um, so sorry, it's kind of long winded of me, but I was just so absorbed in the fact that this required a lot of presence of mind, confidence that I was on the right path, and also a desire to share what that path was like with other people, because that helped me reformulate it in a way that was meaningful. And I like that you took the experiences that you saw, that you went through personally, as well as professionally, and you're giving other people hope via your writing. And that brings us to the narrative medicine that you said you want to help um, patients, you want to help clinicians, you want to help other people see it from your lens, as well as the lens of other people. And me um, losing my father to medical negligence in 2020, mm-hmm. it gave me a, a chance to step into medicine in a sense, because then I became his patient advocate and I learned about different things as he was going through, you know, his journey and, you know, may he rest in peace. And I'm, and I miss my dad dearly, but it also taught me things that I can now apply for my mother whenever I'm taking her to her doctor's appointment, or I could share different things with other people who may go, be going through something similar that my father went through. So life doesn't just happen to us, but it happens for us, no matter how hard it gets. If we change our viewpoints and our perspectives, then we could see how there was something important for us to learn in that season. So I love that you just said that. Sorry, I didn't interrupt you. No, but no, no, yes, go ahead. Absolutely. Go ahead. No, absolutely. A hundred percent. I um I am very sorry to hear about your father though. And I completely agree that our medical system is broken. Um, but please continue with what you were saying. <laughs> no, so from your standpoint of narrative medicine, I want you to explain to the audience what exactly you mean by narrative medicine and what your goal is, because I feel like it doesn't just rely on doctors, um, NPs, which are nurse practitioners, audience, CNAs, or anything. It requires both parties, the patient as well as the staff that is caring for you. And we should see it as a joint partnership. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You're, you're completely correct about that. And I think my interest in narrative medicine comes from a perhaps um, ill-founded optimism that there is still hope in these doctor-patient relationships or clinician-patient relationships and a desire to really build on those relationships so that we can get back to 
um, the way medicine was intended to be practiced, or at least the ideals that most of us hold when we go into medicine. So um, I think of narrative medicine as quietly revolutionary. <laughs> um, it is basically a um, field of medical humanities that's intended to hone the attention of people for one another um, and allow them to then be able to fully represent what one another needs or um, is trying to communicate in order to kind of build affiliation so that we have a stronger relationship in all of our medical situations. Um, it's a field of medical humanities that was created in Columbia University back in 2001. Um, and the, um, the main program for this is still at Columbia University. But there's kind of three aspects of it. The first one is attention. Um, when you read a book or you read a story, a close reading means that you notice the details the author offers you, not just words that are said, but body language or how someone is dressed or where it's set. There's all these other elements that go into an interaction. And that's very true also when you're in a personal interaction with other people. You notice whether they look calm or agitated. You notice whether they bothered to comb their hair in the morning. You notice whether they're late or early, enthusiastic, all these other elements. So these are all aspects of paying full attention to another person when you're actually trying to learn from them. And then the next step of that is representation or another way to say that is representation. Taking that whole information and synthesizing it into a complete understanding of another person or of a situation. Um, and then combine the combination of those two creates affiliation. So you are absolutely right, it's a two-way street um, and hopefully when this is practiced, and this is usually, it's a specific kind of um, dedicated session that's dedicated to honing this kind of attention that it's usually used. But once you start doing that, you can't help but apply it to your real life and to your other interactions with people. Um, but in the ideal form, what results from that is a, is a shared understanding and trust. And that of course, is what all of us hoped for, those of us who choose to go into medicine, hoped that we would earn our patients' trust, that we would be able to fully take care of them in a way that um, modern medicine makes incredibly difficult uh, for many reasons that we can talk about if you want. Yes, and I love that you're sharing this because I've talked to some other physicians on some other episodes, and some of those physicians have now transitioned out of the quote-unquote practical way of medicine into a more holistic way of medicine due to yeah. how the medical system is currently set up with insurances and them not being able to do certain things because of rules and regulations when, you know, it's more so profit driven over people driven. And since I'm not in that area of expertise, I'm not going to speak on it because I don't know the whole schematic of it. But I feel like we as a society as a whole need to do better as being um, human beings and just not seeing the green, we need to see what is in the best interest for, you know, for me, because if I were to trade places with that individual, how would I want them to see me, to hear me, to address me as a whole and et cetera. So thank you for educating me on narrative medicine, because it wasn't something that I was, you know, keen on and as well mm -hmm. as the audience, because I feel like this is something we could go on and learn more about research and see how we could not only apply it in our personal life, but maybe in our professional life and just tweak a little bit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. In its, you know, in its purest form, it can be used with patient groups who have similar diagnoses. It can be used with um, clinician and patient dyads. It can be used 
um, in um, different care centers. There was one great study about um, using it for a surgical team and finding that their outcomes improved after they did some narrative medicine sessions because they understood one another better. And so the communication in that surgical situation actually improved dramatically when they understood where one another came from and how better to communicate with one another. So those are those are small examples, but you can imagine that something like this could absolutely be used in a more business-like setting, in a small office, anything like that where you're trying to build that affiliation for one another. Um, it, uh, can I tell you what a typical session is like? Cause I think it's yeah. really kind of exciting. So and maybe it's only exciting for me because I love literature. I love writing and I love reading. Um, and by the way, reading fiction has been associated with improved emotional um, intelligence. So if any of you are uh, fiction readers or especially reading short stories, that's actually one of the best ways to build your emotional intelligence. Um, so a typical narrative medicine session involves starting with something called a text. And a text could actually be something like a poem, but it could be a painting, a photograph, a work. It could be um, a performance art. It could be music. So it could be any aspect of um, a, uh, a literary feature that we call a text and everyone examines it for the first time you see it for the first time when you're all together and you take a few moments to sit with it look at it and then talk about it we're not talking to one another directly about how do you feel or what's going on in your day we're talking about this what we call a third object so you're getting at where people are emotionally sort of obliquely by talking about something else. And what's so neat about it is that um, typically the third object we choose is somewhat ambiguous in its meaning. It doesn't have a definition. It's not like being in school and raising your hand and getting the right answer. There's no right answer. It's really just, what do you see in this abstract art? Or what do you see in this poem? Um, and so after everyone has a chance to sort of reflect on what they see in the text or the third object, then there's a writing prompt and everybody writes quietly without sharing what they're doing. And it's just free writing. So this is not, no one's getting graded. Again, this, this is just for personal reflection. Um, and then at the end of that, um, usually it's like a five minute free write, there's the opportunity to share. So this is that, you know, so the attention was looking at the third object. The representation is what do you write down in response to the writing prompt during that time? And then affiliation comes when people feel comfortable sharing what they've written. The most fascinating part of this is that people will go in completely different directions with a writing prompt. And it's very therapeutic. I don't know if you ever write. Um, for any of you who do write, many of us write in our journals or um, write down what's going on just to sort of get our thoughts together. Um, but the prompted write is very effective in helping people sort of recognize things about themselves and maybe I mean this is part of the balancing and breathing part right but recognize what they're mentally chewing on that they haven't fully processed yet and then when you do share some of those things and nobody has to share it's completely optional um, that act of sharing builds trust with the other people who are in the room with you so um, I find narrative medicine so exciting and um, I've really been enjoying introducing it to my medical group um, it's, uh, yeah, it has so much potential. So yes, I am planning to start introducing it to patients um, in the next couple of months, actually. Thank you so much for sharing that, Dr. Eunice, because it definitely makes sense because it's like, you're looking at it with no biases, 
then you're writing about it. So you're getting your thoughts out of your head onto paper. And then the vulnerability comes when you feel compelled to share it amongst those that are in the room with you. And you listen, but then you listen to what other people share, but then you also digest it as well too, because you may not have seen it from that viewpoint. So I love how you broke that down. And I definitely could see your book weaved into there with the balancing and the breathing because breath work is so important. And then for me, from the outside looking in, I would say your pedal process should be whatever you're working towards. And that's a personal journey, whether you're on your mountain bike or you're doing another avenue to help compensate with that balance and that uh, breath work. So I know it's so much that we could talk about, but our time is winding down. So Dr. Um, Eunice, I want to give you a chance to share maybe a piece of your book or maybe your last sentiment before the call to action. Oh my goodness. Uh, I wasn't ready with a piece of my book. Um, let me or just think. say a favorite quote or something if you want. You know what, there, there is a favorite um, quote in here if I can figure out exactly where it is. So I'll look for that really quickly. Um, I, let me find it, sorry. No worries. I just, <laughs> I just think it's so good. I just want to leave the audience with something to grab, grab hold of because y'all, I want you to go read this book by Dr. Eunice because you can definitely apply what she is talking about in her book, whether you're in the medical field or not, we all need to balance. We all need to pedal towards our destiny and we all need to breathe. Thank you so much. Okay, Genesis, I have one page I can read here that has been, um, that has been uh, really well liked. So I'll go ahead and read it. I had been thinking about the fact that a fertilized egg, just one cell can become a whole living baby that one cell becomes two and two becomes four and eight and 16. And then somehow those microscopic packages of DNA start to differentiate into the precursors of almost identifiable elements of the creature that might emerge nine months later. That was a true miracle to me that something no bigger than an idea could take on a life of its own if protected and nurtured long enough to get there. A fetus leaches what nutrients it needs from the bones of its mother, saps iron and protein from her cells. To become a life, it pilfers small gifts from hers. A woman's body changes and expands to accommodate this growing idea. She sleeps more or sometimes less. Her body's hijacked by the conception. And no matter how much she wanted it, she sometimes resents this coup over her previous existence. All this for the hope of what may be a healthy living abstraction come to life but many ideas never take shape at all. In the lingering afternoon sunlight that accompanied me home each day, I felt a deep-seated sense of unrest. My belly felt queasy, my breasts heavy. My mind swam with images of the day's events. Conversations with Dr. Hunter, a 16-year-old screaming as her body gave birth, a 50-year-old former ballet dancer with scoliosis. In those introspective hours, checking in with the pulse of my life, I sometimes imagine that I felt two throbbing heartbeats instead of one. A second cadence offbeat from my own clamored, do, 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 faster than mine, almost anxious. It reminded me how quickly the moments scooted past me and were lost. In that sweet auburn light, shadows stood in stark relief. Beauty seemed almost unbearably temporary. 
I hurried to write down the flutter of ideas that unsettled me to try and pin a finger on fleeting self-discoveries. Do, 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 it insisted. I loved my hours in clinic, felt pleased as I grew comfortable performing breast exams and deliveries, sharing newfound knowledge with other women. The throbbing was little more than a murmur, my own voice humming contentedly. Maybe I was pregnant after all, with an occupation that grew silently most of the time, but thrashed inside me when I lay down to think. Do, 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 stubborn, excited, sending me out of bed to work each morning with increasing confidence and purpose. At the end of this gestation, of course, there would be no newborn baby. The life I carried inside me was my own. Dot, dot, dot. And y'all, we can't give you everything. So I hope those words spoke to you and it compelled you to go out and buy the book to hear more fascinating stories and take yourself on a journey where you could visualize the words leaping off the pages that Dr. Eunice writes. And Dr. Eunice, I want you to share your call to action with the audience. Oh, thank you so much. You know, I think that... Um... My main purpose here is in bringing meaning back into medicine. And my, my goals started with making sure I had meaning in my own life, in my own journey, making sure that I never lost sight of the reason for going into medicine. And then realizing that all of us need that reminder. We all need to touch back in with what is important to us. So um, I hope that whatever your line of work, whether it's medicine or not, you take that time to, to sit back and check in with your purpose to make sure you are balancing and breathing in addition to pedaling forward through your mission in life. Amazing. And thank you so much, Dr. Claire Eunice, for just coming into the community and sharing your journey and giving us more insight on some of the incredible things that you're working on. And so please plug your website for the audience or if you're on any social media platforms, are those listed on your website? Thank you so much, Genesis. Yes, I can be found at clareunis.net. That's C-L-A-I-R-E-U-N-I-S. Um, and on there, you can find my book and my socials and so forth. But I'm also on socials um, at Literary Art in Medicine. And that's and Facebook and um, LinkedIn and on Instagram. I haven't done much with Twitter yet, but maybe I'll get there someday. It's hard to fit all the things in. <laughs> Amazing. And audience, I hope this segment has blessed you. I hope you learned something about it. I encourage you to go follow Dr. Claire Eunice on her socials, as well as pick up a copy of her book. And for those of you who want to learn more information and you have more questions for Dr. Claire Eunice, feel free to email them to me and I'll get them over to Dr. Claire or reach out to her personally. And until the next guest, next segment, where would I be without my supporters? You know I only think about you. I want to thank each one of you for supporting the mission and the brand. And we are looking for brand sponsors. It is paid sponsorship. But the good thing is that all of us coming together are making an impact that is driving an imprint for each one of us to be world changers. This show is ranked in the top 2% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without you all. And you can check the metrics on www.listennotes.com. So if that interests you, please reach out to me at gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp at gmail.com. And it's easy to remember because it's the full name of the show. So until next time, 
peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. And thank you, Dr. Claire Eunice, for coming into the community. Absolutely. My, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Genesis. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.